to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. Okay, we're here with episode six of, of season, season two, titled Demons. Demons, or in German, oh this one's pretty easy, Dominin. <laughs> Dominin? It's D, how do you do it with the A, A with and the, the umlauts. umlauts. I don't know how, you how you do that. I, Maybe you German, should. I'm gonna look up a German Duolingo. No, I think I think you should just take you know a couple okay. weeks of Duolingo just to you know. I did take a couple weeks of Duolingo then German, that's and that's really pathetic. It's yeah. Really pathetic. Yeah, it was years ago, but yeah. Anyways, um, so Demons is the title. Yes, it uh, was written by Harley Payton and Robert Angles and directed by Leslie Linkletter. Uh, my personal yep. favorite of yep. the non-David Lynch, non-David Lynch director slash writers. Mark Frost yep. directors. Yep. Um, it. Aired on November 3rd, 1990, and was set on March 8th, 1989. Okay. Um, and mm. where we always start? Yes, Log with Lady. With the Log Lady. Yes, which is an interesting one in this case, and it has a few uses throughout the episode. So do you want to give us an overview of what she actually says? Sure. Well, she says, sometimes we want to hide from ourselves, and she talks about the various ways that, that people want to hide from who they are and she she lists drugs alcohol and behavior as ways to forget or help us forget that we are ourselves but that these are only temporary solutions and that the problem is going to keep returning and sometimes the temporary solution ends up becoming worse than the original problem themselves so it's not really a solution at all yeah uh i love her last line which is we both laughed when we yeah when we read this it's like <laughs> is there an answer of course there is. As a wise person said with a smile, the answer is within the question. But I don't know what the question is. I don't know. It's just it's just the log lady. Yeah, I just, just love it. It's so David Lynch. Like, you can tell he yeah. wrote these because they're, they're on the nose, but also what the hell is going on. Well, this one is on the nose. This one this one does actually uh, link up quite nicely with a lot of a what's going of on the, in the episode. Yeah, so yeah. Um, we've got Phil Gerard, obviously, most obvious um, yes with his, literally changing who he is yeah with his drug use and yeah. um and then aiden you mentioned yeah maddie ferguson maddie being pretending wanting to be laura and yeah trying to change her behavior to match laura's for a bit and yeah we'll get to that scene it's it's all it's all in that one scene really so mm-hmm. yeah so that's the log lady intro those are the deets um yeah sorry i'll stop saying deets i really you should just hit me if i ever say it again uh, punch you right in the face. Punch me right in the face. You said it like you really want to do that no, right now. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Only been married for how many years? We uh, did get that picture taken when we had our wedding photos done of me punching oh, yeah, me in the you face. Oh, yeah, you punched me in the face. Because you do a really great... Maybe we'll post that photo so you can see it. Aiden does a really great fake being punched in the face expression. I don't think it's great. I think it's, it's, it's pretty funny. It's, yeah, yeah. The photographer thought it was funny. The photographer really thought it was yeah, funny. That's why, why we did it. Yeah, she wanted us yeah. to do it. So, But anyway. Yeah. So, now that, okay. we, now that we yeah. discuss the marital abuse, yeah. or the spousal abuse that's going on in our marriage, <laughs> let's talk about Harold. Yes. What's going on in Harold's place? But yeah, we're in Harold's uh, house, and it's basically picking up where the last episode left mm-hmm. off. He's kind of threatening the girls again. Um, I don't remember exactly even what he says. We just watched this a couple days ago, and I've already kind of forgotten. He's kind of just bearing out his heart and soul. He's really upset that... Yeah, he, he says that... We didn't mean any harm. I thought you were different. You made me feel I could return to the world and find something decent. People are. But you're just like all the others. 
You lie. And you betray. And then you laugh about it. And you he really comes out clean. and he basically says, like, the world the world is filled with terrible people. Mm-hmm. And that's why he doesn't go outside. Right. Um, I, I don't remember exactly how he describes it, but basically people are the problem with hmm. the world outside. And they're unclean. And yes, Don is another one of them. So you think that's the lying. reason why he's... Why well, he's yeah, I mean, it's like he describes the whole world as bad people, basically. And I think that's kind of what you'll have to infer because you don't really get anything hmm. else from him. Um, and yeah, and it's definitely a, it's a new development in his character. You, you really didn't get much before that. So yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was interesting. And it comes out all at once. Like, he's just kind of like yeah. pouring his heart out at, at the end here. But threatening the girls with, with that garden implement that we still yeah. haven't figured out the name of. We should have looked that up. Trowel? It's not a trowel. It's a, a rake? Triple no. digger thingy. Yeah, that's what it's called. Triple digger thingy. You can Let's go just to Home, go to Home Depot, Depot and ask, and for, ask for a triple digger thingy. You will get it. That Harold Smith used to <laughs> scratch his face I don't think off. Either of those things fakely. are going to be helpful when you go nope, to Home Depot. No, probably not. But you can try it. Um, yeah, so anyway, so, so yeah. James busts in, yes, saves the day. But they don't take the diary with them when yeah, they leave. Yeah, it's odd. I, I like how Donna, as they're running away, she's like, he won't come after us because she's the only one who knows out of them that, that he's a shut, a shut in, in or an, an agoraphobic. Yeah. Um, and, of course, she collapses and starts crying, you know, obviously, because it's a traumatic event. And um, but, but, yeah, they did not take the diary with them. And you'd think that that would have been – because well, one of them, it. Donna or Maddie, is holding it. Yeah, and then so, James busts in, pushes Harold to the side a little bit, and then when they rush out, they just drop it. And... Or does Harold take it? I don't even remember. Well, no, Donna Donna drops it, and then like he, oh, she and right. Harold are wrestling for it a little bit, and then she just lets go and runs away. Yeah, so, so I don't know if that's like a final... I, I, I guess, yeah, okay. I guess I would read that as, as Donna giving, I, I don't know, like... I don't want to say it's a gift. It's not a gift, but she it's like a... a she's giving the diary back to Harold in recognition of the fact that she is maybe this horrible person. And, and if taking, if, if she takes the diary with her, she's confirming everything that he said about her, that that's, that's all, that that's all she is, is this horrible, horrible person. Maybe that, reading more into it than <laughs> maybe, maybe, but I just, I just don't, I don't think, I think why. She just this has been the central thing for the last few episodes for her is getting the secret diary. And yet well, I mean, she he, he it. grabs it, too. Like, it's they have a little, not a tussle, but mm-hmm. they both hold on to it at the same time. So I think he's just a little bigger and stronger than her, maybe. Yeah. But maybe not. Maybe you're right. But it's finally, at this point, finally, James says something yeah, like, remarkably yes. sensible and says that we need to go to the cops. Yes. Like, frick my eyeballs. Finally. Seriously? Jam- finally. James is the voice of yes. reason. Like, come on, Donna. You've hit a new low. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so yeah. so that's how that scene ends. I, I also thought it was interesting um, the way that Maddie reacts yeah, to James, James and, Donna and Donna's kind of, yeah, embrace. Yeah, so it's, it's hard to read, but I think she's... Well, feeds into the next scene with her and James, which we'll get to. But basically, uh, she's kind of come to a realization here. Like, yeah. she, at the end of this episode, she's basically saying, I'm leaving, I'm going back home. Right. It was fun while it lasted here well, in Twin Peaks, but I'm leaving. And I, when I was watching it, I it, I kind of forgot that it, it was a few episodes ago. Well, it was at the end of the last season that she said she was leaving. The first time she said she was going. And then she ends up sticking around because yeah. Leland was arrested for murdering mm-hmm. Jacques Renault. So, um, but now she's leaving for good. So she's been there for a while, and, and maybe this is the catalyst for what... But we'll get to that. That comes in a in a yep. few scenes from now. But so I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Do you feel bad for Harold? You know I do, but I don't. 
I think I feel more bad for him in this episode than I have in previous episodes. I feel like he's really, um, this is, it, maybe it's just because, and Lenny Von Dolan, who plays uh, Harold Smith, does a really great job. It's it's overacted in some places, but he does a really great job of, of really making you feel Harold's anguish. And even though you don't know exactly why he's the way he is, you feel like it's very deep and mm-hmm. and. And yeah, she really honest, did hurt yeah. him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so I do feel bad for him. I, f- I feel way worse for him than I do for Donna. Well, I don't and, feel bad for Donna. Well, at no, all. but yeah. in previous episodes, I I had been concerned that he was exploiting her and yeah, as a as a teenage girl plying her with alcohol and stuff like no, that. No, yeah, right? it's, and that's the thing. That's why I kind of don't feel bad because it's like, oh, he like she did one bad thing. She wants to see what happened to her friend, which is totally understandable. And he's just being a dick with the diary, using it as leverage to get yeah, no, sex from her, true. really. So, I mean, I don't really feel bad. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, this is just one of those storylines where I kind of hate everyone. And... Well, but it's not It's not like, in real life, people aren't all good or all bad. So it's, it's oh, yeah, true yeah, to yeah. life. It's true to you know, human nature. I think yeah. everybody exists on a, a spectrum and we, we go back and forth. And, you know, I think that's, that's actually really... Uh, it's a good example of that in the show. It's true. But this storyline, nobody does anything really good. Yeah. They're all pretty horrible. Self-serving. Even though they're going for good... Reasons. Reasons. Like, Harold well, was holding on to the diary because Laura asked him to. Yeah. Presumably, it was a serious reason. Mm-hmm. Or he believed it was. Yeah. Donna's trying to solve her friend's murder. Like, they're not doing this just to be cruel. But in the process of doing a good thing, they do bad things. And does that mean that... It's. Does that justify yeah. the act? I don't that know. it was a good thing, even though you did a bad thing. You were trying to do a, like it's. It, these are these, <laughs> these are, are moral questions. Yeah, some yeah. some pretty you know heavy moral questions. But you know, it's it's an interesting storyline. It's way more interesting than anything we get from Donna and James or for the rest of the show. Donna and Maddie, well, up to this point. Yeah, anyway. either, yeah, it's true. So so I yeah I mean I don't I don't hate it, but yeah, I'm kind of glad it's over. Yeah, me too. So and I mean, there's that one shot of I mean, it kind of made me I kind of laughed, which is probably terrible. But he's flowering, he's flowering. flowering. He's watering his flowers. Well, I don't know if he's watering them. I don't know what that. It's what like that a spray thing mister. That, it's a mister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just breaks down in tears, and I just started kind of laughing because I'm like, well, oh, it, it's kind of. It it's is that sad. part that I was talking about where it's a bit overactive. Yeah, but. yeah. You, you really do get the sense that he was he was quite hurt by this whole process. Yeah. Well, it's almost he's poisoning his flowers, is he not? Oh, is he? Well. I don't in know. future episodes, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll discuss look this at in that. the future. Yes, yes, because yes, things do happen. Um, so then we get uh, the first scene with um, at the book house. No, first we get the credits over. <laughs> no, I thought this yeah, was yeah, interesting. Yeah. No, you're right. There's you're all right. these shots of the woods and yes. owls and uh, the moon, the moon and, and stuff, and it's yes. and that's what the credits are. It's the last bit of the credits. It's yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, so yeah they, not the yeah, not the intro credits, but yeah. the the fir- the. Also starring credits yeah. that are in there. Yeah. Um, and Which was interesting. I don't recall them doing that in any previous No, episode, never so. devoting like a separate... It, and it's not. Like the, those credits do continue over the actual scene. Yeah. But there is this interlude of the focus is on the credits. And it's just this a- ambient kind of background of, right. of ominous nature. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Nighttime and Twin Peaks. And, and that's something I said after this episode. This episode is fairly ominous. There's a lot of like... Mm-hmm. The, the music especially is very uh, just heavy and... 
it has that ominous sound. I don't even know what instrument plays it or anything. Well, but yeah, but in all Ben scenes, for instance, there's this sound playing. Yeah, and it's very. I mean, we we said, and when we get to the end, we'll say it again. But it's this is the first episode that really, in a long time, anyway, that has overt horror. Yeah. Feel to it. Yeah. Um, and more, which you get, yeah. you got a little bit in the season two opener with the. Um, Ronette's dream that she has and yeah um in some yeah so i mean some of some elements of the show have been horror leaning towards horror but this is the first one in a little while so yeah um no it's true so sorry i just yes. wanted to no answer, no that's that's there. good but then yeah um, we wound up in the roadhouse no the book house the book Oh, it is the book house. Sorry, yes, you're right. Yeah, and they've taken Audrey there yes. for some reason instead. Yeah, of Yeah, instead of to a hospital, which I mean, okay. In fairness, maybe they didn't know that she had been drugged, and they didn't. Cooper so Cooper take... examined her in the roadhouse and discovered the needle marks on her arm. But at that point, would you not be like? holy crap, let's take her to a hospital. Mm-hmm. Or at least call Doc Hayward or something. Yeah, yeah have someone meet them. Like, So, so the, okay, so because I was thinking about this, um, why they would not bring her to medical authorities. Is it because they this was an illegal operation, operation that they were doing? Are they I trying guess, to but keep now themselves? they're across the border. Right. It doesn't matter. And eventually she's going to have to see a doctor. Like, I don't, I think it's just a... I don't know. It's another bad rating one for me, but yeah, like I, I, I guess yeah. I, I just I don't know what the point. Is. Well, I know what the point is. They want this like hurt comfort scene between yeah Cooper Audrey and, and Cooper, but you can do that in a hospital. In a hospital, room. you yeah. can do that. You know, the with doc, a doctor yeah, there. Yeah, you, Doc it, Hayward can walk out and say she's going to be okay, and then right. Cooper goes in and comforts yeah, her. Yeah, like, so it's it's not it's yeah. not like that is. I mean, presume we don't know what goes on after the camera cuts away, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, it but, just seems strange. So I, I have some questions about you, cause or about you. about me. About you. I know most of the me. things about you, <laughs> um, but about Audrey in the yeah. scene because she she's talking and mumbling a lot, yes. and I couldn't make out exactly what she was saying, but it was something about was it her father and something okay. heavy in her throat. So I rewatched the previous episode because yeah. in watching this scene, I'm like. Jean Renault said something about what Audrey was dreaming about up at One Eye Jack. So ah. I rewatched the previous episode, and and he does he does say that the girl dreams of fishes, lake beds, and tangleweeds. So in this scene, she's dreaming or she's coming out of a dream where she's drowning. Daddy, have you seen? Can you see? You've got to stay awake. Can you catch me? Can you? Audrey. Talk to me, Audrey. Stay awake, Audrey. Sucks so heavy. My hand in my throat. It hurts me. God. It hurts me. That cold. I can't breathe. Help me. Please help me. So yeah, presumably she's been having some kind of recurring dream or it's it's more fish imagery. There's so much yeah, fish imagery yeah, in this show. Yeah. Which I don't know how yeah, you want to spin that. We yeah, haven't really it, talked was, about that. Was but, she like well she was the bait kind of in a in a yeah. they're trying to get Cooper yeah. on the line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. reusing that. I mean, yeah. 
so I mean, I, I just I forgotten that that happened, and yeah. I don't know where the imagery was imagery was coming from. But but yeah, it doesn't so make she sense now, she yeah. wakes up, she has this bit of a panic moment, and then, um, and then I guess comes out of it and a little bit, and, yeah, you know, realizes Cooper's there. Yeah, and... it's all right, Audrey. I'm right here. Audrey, I'm right here. <laughs> But I found Cooper's, just in this initial scene, he's a little more fatherly mm-hmm. than love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's, this is one of the yeah. break points for this this relationship. I yeah. think at this point, it was supposed to be he rescues her and then they fall madly in love with each sure. other. And instead, he takes on this very kind of... Protective. Yeah, patronly. Well, and, and it's... It's, or you mean paternal? Paternal, yep, patron. Patronly? He's a paternal patron, could be. <laughs> um, because in contrast to the way that Ben acts, it's, yeah, I mean, it's very clear that, that she has no real father figure or real paternal figure in her life. So, so yeah, it is entirely possible that this is the role. Cooper, in previous episodes, what was it, midway through season one, wants to be her friend more than anything, and right now he's taking on the role of father because not only he doesn't know what she saw when I Jacks regarding her father, but she has completely lost her father at this point because and and you see that in a pre, in a, yeah, a scene coming up. Yeah. But but yeah, no, you're no, you're definitely right. Okay. It is the way that he even um, when she curls up kind of on his lap and he kind of rocks her back and forth a bit. There, it's yeah. it's like comforting a child who's had a nightmare you know so it is very fatherly and and uh yeah but it is it's it's probably (laughs) aside from a doctor and proper physical examination it's what she needed in that that moment but uh yeah yeah okay uh so we move on back to james and donna i have a quick note here uh because just you song is playing in the background and i just put gag next to that (laughs) Um, and all of a sudden it's, yeah, and, and they've completely reverted to being 100% in love with each other only. Mm-hmm. And Maddie's totally out of the picture again. And um, Well, and, this yeah. in this scene, they're saying goodbye to Maddie because she's been picked up by someone. Yeah, I think so. I don't remember the home, context. But they're in the street. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just the two of them Just the two of them, literally. Of, probably outside of Donna's house or yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, And it was just, yeah. I mean, it, but it is. I mean, it's like, oh, well, all the drama of the last four or five episodes has just disappeared because the love triangle's over and now it's James and Donna forever. Well, but yeah. that's that's high school romance. Sure. We'll take that. Well, I, I mean, I literally remember this things like this happening, happening when I was in junior high and high school. So, I mean, sure. not to me, but to friends of mine. Where yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. see it and I would be like, this is like a soap opera. So I, Well, I guess I don't they did really... just have like a, a, a harrowing experience sure. with that uh, Harold's, I guess. Okay. I think I it's just, interesting to have these two these two rescues though. I and mean, we talked about that at the end of the last episode. These two rescues being played off one another in the mm-hmm. first few scenes, just bouncing back and forth between yeah. James's rescue, quote unquote, of Donna and Maddie and Cooper's rescue of uh, Audrey. Audrey. And it, again, yeah, it would have been more even more parallel if it turned into a romantic sure. way because like James is like just really macking up on Donna yeah. right after this. They start making out in the scene. And yeah, stuff. yeah. So yeah, it's. Uh... But in this, in this sense, it is a contrast. The different, um, the different ways that 
that, the, yeah, those you know, relations can play out after. Sure, or yeah. or that trauma can affect someone who has been through a harrowing experience, or yeah, I mean, it's. It, I don't. I don't mind it. I'm. I'm so bored of Donna and James, but, but it's. It is. It was notice noticeably, you know, the parallel was noticeable. Oh yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um. So we go to the sheriff's station after this, and yes. we get uh, Cooper talking to Truman about the the fact that he's figured there's a you know Audrey had a near lethal dose of heroin which could have killed her obviously that's what near lethal means Lindsay get your shit together (laughs) um uh he talks about uh yeah Truman Truman has this this book like I don't know yeah it's like every criminal ever yeah like (laughs) very useful yeah yeah and he's yeah so he IDs John Renault yeah as the guy that he saw um, but he also he this is when he mentions that he saw the TV screen with yes. Cooper's image on it, which we mentioned in the previous episode as being odd that Truman wouldn't bring that up. Yeah, so he brings it up now. Yeah, so basically Truman figures out what Renault's angle was that that Tr- Renault wanted Cooper. Well, Cooper to figures him. it out. Oh, Cooper realizes he's like I was the the bait. Audrey was the yeah, bait yeah, yeah, to, yeah, get yeah, to get me. Him, yeah, yeah, and and he has this whole uh, kind of this is not the first time this has happened. Yeah. And, so um, yeah, yeah no, and it's so here I I did this in D and D terms. So all of a sudden Cooper has gone back to being a lawful good. Mm, like he's yeah, very yeah. concerned. He has uh, yeah, an impassioned little speech paid. about. I went out of my jurisdiction twice. I violated my professional code, and now Audrey is paying the price. You got her back, and she's gonna be okay. This isn't the first time my actions have brought suffering to someone I care about in the name of doing what I had to do. Damn it, I should have known better. And, you know, it's it runs counter to everything that we talked about yeah. it, up to this point where we were like, yeah, Cooper really thrives on kind of the neutral good yeah. <laughs> kind of approach where as long as it's in service of a good deed, the law is kind of secondary. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that he, the way I'd read his character right up until the speech is that the fact that he was an FBI agent was just so that he could have the law on his side when he's pursuing the yeah, good. Yeah, right. Um, and all of a sudden now it's like, oh, no, that was wrong. I should have followed the law the whole way. Well, all these, you wouldn't have cracked any of the, you would never would have even found Jacques Renault, you yeah. know, if you'd never gone up to One-Eyed Jacks. You know, they, the case would be dead cold and Laura's killer would So be, does that, are you saying that that justifies what, so coming yeah, back to what yeah. we were talking well, about, right, if that's opened. one of the moral questions of this episode, sure. absolutely. I think, like, the law can sometimes be a hindrance to the pursuit of good but it's there for a reason i mean this is a tv show obviously so it doesn't quite uh work as it would in the real world but um yeah i think for this like you've kind of i mean as the audience you're kind of uh forced to be in lockstep with everything cooper's done up to this point you're like yeah he's the good guy he's gonna go and do things even if it's yeah. yeah um so this feels like a bit of a slap in the face of the audience. Like, oh no, you were kind of wrong. I mean, Truman puts him in his place. Yeah, he says, fair. you know, at least you you got the girl and she's going to be okay. And yeah, and if you hadn't gone, she'd still be in one eye jacks with a needle yeah. on her arm or whatever, right? But, okay, so in the next ep- the next scene, when Cooper goes to the Great Northern mm-hmm. and meets up with Ben um, to give him the money back, and Ben asks all these questions, Cooper reveals Audrey was being held at a brothel north of the border by someone who, by a, a madam who is dead. Yeah. And the other guy who was involved in it got away. Yeah. So they literally didn't uh, Well, and he, sent, he sent John Renault too. 
did, did I, th- I think I thought he did because I, I was watching Ben's face because he'd already met Jean Renault sure when he thought Renault was the intermediary yeah uh, and so he didn't really I was watching for his yeah, response and he right. didn't really have one he didn't have like an oh that jerk who he was the real yes. guy behind this right um, but I thought that was interesting sorry I interrupted well, no you're right I mean it's it's a weird scene because okay for starters all of the the objectives yes they got Audrey back but but they have no no one is going to to be held accountable for this yes, for what happened that, to her yeah. because Blackie is dead and Jean Renault escaped. Yeah. Um so Cooper failed in that regard. Yeah. Even though he he yeah, like it's it's such a I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm just I'm just baffled as to why this had to happen this way. I know exactly why it had to happen this way because it was cinematic and it made it it made for really interesting and and compelling television. Yeah. But it's not real. It's not real life. Uh, yeah. So I'm no, yeah. Don't, don't worry about it too it. much. But but yeah, I, it's just um, it's interesting that none of the legal objectives that you know would lead to well, yeah. Like Ben asks, like, oh, did you apprehend or arrest these these, these people? Yeah. And it's like, well, he's not an officer up there. He couldn't arrest them. No. Well, like, yeah. Of course he couldn't have. Right. Like, oh, I'm an FBI agent. Well, that's nice. Get out of my shop now. You have yeah, no yeah, jurisdiction yeah. here. Like. You know, it's that's not so maybe how it that's works, just so. it's just underlining the fact that that he was so far out of his jurisdiction. That, yeah, that there was there was never going to be any legal repercussions yeah. for what happened. Well, there are. They get eventually, they come, but it's but yes. not the way uh, that Cooper would have had in mind for sure. Um, it is interesting though to watch Ben's reaction in the scene because yeah, um, well he knows the he, most out yeah. of everyone I think in this scene. Well, I don't think he Cooper. knew he didn't know that Audrey was up there. No, but, but he he knew that he was leading Cooper to his death. Oh and, yes, and that's the thing that that's the really that's the real tension in this little mm-hmm. scene is the fact that Cooper's trying to f- watch Ben's reaction and mm-hmm. figure out if uh, how he much knew, Cooper, yeah how, how, much how much Ben, ben knew. knew and Ben I think I think that's probably uh, uh, Richard Bamer's to his credit in this scene is he knows that Cooper can read really well so he maybe keeps a placid expression throughout he kind of plays yeah. the grieving father and the, the worried yeah. father i mean not really because he doesn't yeah. ask about audrey no until like no, he, cooper he, has he, to bring it up yeah, yeah yeah he asks if he can see her yeah and but yeah cooper says no well no but even like cooper like goes through the whole thing he gives him the money bends looks through the money he and closes the briefcase the money. Yeah, exactly. before anything and then cooper says oh by the way your daughter almost died of a heroin overdose. yeah and and that that's the only time when ben really does seem genuinely shocked yeah, yeah. so yeah, he his his concern is. Yeah, it's it's elsewhere. hard to read. Yeah, 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 it is, and I, I think that's I think again that's on purpose and it's mm-hmm. done really well here. Um, it does so, lead to a really great moment when uh, Ben hugs Cooper yes. and Cooper just does the whole little like pat on his pat, arm yeah, like, like all right we're done okay we're done no um, thank you which is it's just a funny yeah a funny little moment but but uh, there and this is actually the first time I wrote it down was that the the music in this is very very ominous it has I don't know. Um, but it's it's this long droning kind of note, and it's just it's just it's the ominous sound. Every yeah. time you hear it in a in a horror movie or anything, you're like, oh, something bad's happening. Well, yeah, it's it's and like, it's basically Ben's theme for this episode. Yeah. Like every time he's in uh, a scene, basically he's in it. It's playing, mm-hmm. and it repeats throughout the episode mm-hmm. multiple times. So, uh, yeah, it, like this this episode is really trying to set it up to be something dark. But also the way it's shot, like everything is. This scene is yeah. shot very dimly. Yeah, it's it's dark, dark in the yeah. in the dining room or some kind of dining hall, um, where they do the where Cooper brings the money back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been nighttime the whole time. Yeah. It's it's very noirish, right? So, um, sorry, can we jump back one scene? Sure. I just 
this is just as a Canadian thing. So Truman says uh, says about Jean Reno, he runs the Northern Territories. Yes, yeah. So of course he's in Southern BC. Yeah. Like I don't know what they mean by Northern Territories, yeah. but I'd assume the Northwest Territories. Well, that's what that's what I would assume. <laughs> when I hear Northern Territories, I think, oh, Yellowknife. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Like he runs the drugs in Yellowknife, and of course he's in you know five hundred, eight hundred, or like a thousand kilometers south of there in yeah. BC, right? Yeah. So I don't think it's a thousand kilometers. I think oh, it's more than that. It's probably more than that, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. It's a long drive to it takes Yellowknife. 15, it takes 15 hours to get to Yellowknife from, yeah. from us here. I mean, you're driving. And we're four Those hours roads aren't from, exactly no, that's true, but fast, still. but yeah. No, that's um, true. But yeah, no, I guess that's just a, a yeah. cheesy way of them yeah, saying Yeah, the Americans. They make oh, it, yeah, they run. But they make Canada. It's Canada is a backwoods. Yeah. Well, not backwoods, but it's it's a lawless territory. It's, yeah. it's the frontier. It's... This is before you know, the whole Canadians are super nice stereotype, I feel like. Maybe. They were still like, oh, yeah. Those what Canucks were we doing just, in 1990, 1989, we were just lumberjacks, I think. That's why. So, yeah, it was probably the Wild West out there. Most most Americans thought, thought it was so, just yeah. the Wild West. Until they started filming X-Files there. That's when the, Maybe. the tide turned, I think. <laughs> just fucking with you. Okay. So where <laughs> anyway, do we go next? Uh, we go to Leo Johnson's return oh, that's home. that's right. So we get this hilarious scene of Bobby trying to push Leo into, um, into, into the, the Johnson yeah, with himself, his, yeah. this really, really terrible, Looking like, wheelchair. Gray Gardens wheelchair that belongs yeah. in, like, It's literally like Nantucket. a chair with, yeah. like, two wheels attached, and yeah. that's it. Like, yeah, it's like the kind of thing you see in those tuberculosis wards yes. in, the, in the 1890s, you know? They'd have these people in these really, really rigid chairs. It's not a wheelchair, basically. No, exactly. Um, but, yes, Leo is, is being brought home, and there's, uh, I don't, some, I don't know some, the name of the guy. Yeah, I don't know if they but, said his name. Uh, right. He's wearing a plaid jacket that almost matches Shelly's plaid jacket, which I thought yeah. was a serious fashion misstep for poor Shelly Johnson. But she's trying to look, you know, professional, professional or businesslike. And, yeah, yeah. and, and this guy, whoever Bobby, he is, Bobby's wearing a suit with like yeah, a tie exactly. And everything. Yeah, exactly. Whoever this guy is 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 seriously impressed with the fact that Leo and and what's well, odd because or, they, sorry, Bobby and Shelly are gonna are gonna take yeah care take of care of Leo. And it, but it's odd because they had that other character who was the. The yeah. previous insurance middleman, or whoever, you didn't really get a sense of who yeah. it is, and this guy, you're really not sure who it is either. Yeah. Um, but uh, but he, they both seemed really skeezy and kind of, yeah. you know, like this guy is almost too happy to give them their what is it, seven hundred dollars or fifty bucks, I think. Yeah, yeah something like and that. And then scram, he's yeah. just gonna show himself out. Like he doesn't want to stick around to. Well, he doesn't actually want to help. He's just no, of course there to, not. He yeah, he's tick a and box he takes and, he takes the money that. He takes a cut of the five grand they were supposed to get. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, well, yeah, he lists off all these things. And I'm like, but Leo's not getting any of those. He's just sitting in a wheelchair at home. like. Right, but they, they, had, to, they had to rent the wheelchair probably. And they had to rent that big machine that's going to move into. There's a hospital bed behind, beside them. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, they have some is, equipment, I guess. And there, yeah. and there might be medicine, like if he can't eat. Although we do see him. They, they do feed they him. They do feed but him. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, so the, the crux of this scene is just the fact that Bobby has led Shelly astray. And this is the the $5,000 that was supposed to put them on easy street has been whittled down to $750. That yeah. There's no way that Shelly is going to be able to make, make that. Because she's right. going to have to, they can't hire somebody to watch him. She's going to have to quit her job at the diner. And all, yeah, all of this was just as a, a way to get this money. And then I think they don't in, get it, really. <laughs> in the previous episode when Shelly went to his competency hearing, you saw that look on her face. It must still be percolating in the back of her mind that, you know, this may have been a, a mistake. Yeah. Maybe I should have turned him in and, yeah. you know. But, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, so there's two things here that I thought were interesting. One was just a funny moment. He, uh, the insurance guy or whoever it is, says, yeah. "Oh yeah, you may want to cover up those electrical sockets." Yeah, baby-proof them. Yeah. Yeah, because Leo was so such a danger of putting something. Well, I mean, in the yeah, socket. he's. I mean, they. I don't know what they're thinking, but it's just kind of funny because yeah, the impression is that like Leo's so has so many problems now that he might just stick his fingers in an yeah. electrical socket. I guess. Oh, he can't know. move. He can't move. So... But but then he. Kind of does later we'll on, but, get but in this scene, he does he just grunts a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's a reminder instantly. Like Bobby and Shelley both like stare at him and are, right. are terrified. It's just a reminder of how menacing Leo can be. Yeah, even when he's he's catatonic slash paralyzed. I don't think he's paralyzed, but he's not able to do much of to anything. do much of anything. He's a vegetable. And to put he's it bluntly, still scary. He's still scary. And that that's that's just a testament to how well Leo's character is built as yeah. like the typical bad guy because yeah. he retains that that menacing flavor yeah. Uh, yeah. even when he's in the wheelchair not doing anything yeah. with sunglasses on. Uh, so else? yeah, no, nothing okay. else about yeah. that scene. Um, we get finally, finally, Donna goes to Sheriff Truman and tells him about the diary. Yeah, and he's kind of incredulous and can't believe that there was another diary, and then he. Calls it like it is. Yeah, he's just like... Donna, it is a lot like the boy who cried wolf. The last time you played this game, Dr. Jacoby ended up in a hospital bed. It's not a game. There's nothing... Nothing has... Uh, they have nothing to show for what they've done or no. what they've they've learned. So, really, if I were Sheriff Truman, I would also be like, you're just wasting resources. Yeah. He, he does tell her that they'll try and send someone over to Harold Smith's place, but yeah. he's... You know, yeah, they're busy, busy trying to solve actual murders. Yeah. They don't need to be chasing around the leads that teenagers are bringing up. So, yeah. it's it's uh, again a nice parallel to the shit that Audrey's gotten into because now we've got serious, potentially serious repercussions for the rescue mission that is has brought her back home, um, taking up time and resources and getting people in trouble. And we've got Sheriff Truman telling Donna to not do the exact same thing that Andre was doing yeah. because it's going to cost us we just don't have the resources yeah, to, to, to be devoting to this problems. stuff. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's a, yeah, a nice reminder that there are some people in town who should be solving murders and Donna is not one of them. Yeah. And neither is Audrey. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned at exactly. this point. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um but we do get to see Federal Bureau of Investigation Regional Bureau Chief Gordon Cole. That's a real mouthful but I can't hear myself anyway. Played by David Lynch, yeah. With two very big hearing aids that barely work. Yeah, it's one of these... The max. They're these old-style hearing aids that they were more like amplification systems yeah. more than hearing aids, but they... Well, that's what it, hearing aids are. But, right, yeah. but this is like a whole system. It's yeah. like, you know, the earplugs, and then they, there's a cord, and then there's like a... A, a receiver, uh, receiver almost, no, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like where the microphone is and everything. Yeah. It's It sits in his pocket. Yeah. I remember when I worked at the, the school for the deaf and they, they had pictures on the wall of these kids in about 1985, 1980. With those. You know, with those types of hearing yeah. aids on. So it's it's uh, definitely definitely not the hearing aid you see today, the over-the-ear, no. nice, yeah, compact. Yeah, almost hidden ones, like yeah. transparent and everything. No, this, yeah. was, this was very obvious Old that school. he... Says it himself when he walks in. He gives a big long description. It is just hilarious. Like it's it's yeah. It's Gordon Cole. You get a like David Lynch, as we said, even in the first episode, he can create a character in a couple seconds. And yeah, he does it with Gordon Cole yeah. perfectly, right? Yeah, so, he's so perfect. Yeah. Um, but there are some interesting things that he talks about in this in this. Uh, yeah, scene. he, he so, gives some information. That's important. Yeah, he says that Albert uh, has been working at the lab on Cooper's case. Who shot Cooper? Yeah. Um, he's 
he won't be returning, but he's given Gordon the lab report to to bring to Cooper that fibers found outside of Cooper's room were from a Vicuna coat. And Truman does seem suspicious when he says Vicuna coat. Yeah. He he repeats it and he kind of... In his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, whether he knows someone with a Vicuna coat or whether it's... He doesn't know what a Vicuna coat is, which yeah. I think is probably more likely... Because no, he shared Truman? No, I, don't know. I think I read the expression on his face like, oh, a Vicuna coat. Like, if, if you met somebody and you're like, that's an interesting coat, and they said it's a Vicuna coat, yeah. you'd remember that because you'd Maybe. be like, oh, yeah, no, that, for that's sure. the way I interpret but, it. Is yeah. like he knows someone who has a Vicuna coat. But it, it does narrow things, it, it would help narrow things down. Yeah, right? Definitely, so, yeah. Um, they also found the, the, whatever was in the syringe that was picked up in, that Cooper picked up in the, the bathroom a few episodes back that was very left, strange. Yeah. Yes, very strange. Uh, Albert's never seen this compound before. Um, that mixture. The, yeah, yeah, yes. That's what a compound is. <laughs> oh, yeah, but a compound sounds like one chemical. It's, this one sounded like they had multiple because... Well, compound, when, you, when you're compounding things, you're mixing things. Yeah. So wouldn't it be a mixture of things? Potentially. So then, are we not just yeah? But talk, I'm saying okay, but it usually goes. It would go by is one. Is that a word? Yes, but if it goes by one name, that is a compound. If you okay, have three whatever. or four compounds compounded matter. together, you don't call that then another compound. Okay, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Whatever was in the <laughs> syringe is strange. Yes, we get that. <laughs> um, but they haven't identified it yet. Yeah. And then uh, he also says that the paper that was found down the tracks. Uh, yes, it was from a diary. From a diary, story. which I think is yeah, just, it's just like... So this oh. is two weeks later, and they're just looking at this, and it's Paper, from a diary. Yeah. How do you know it's from a diary? Yeah. Well, we've just been talking about a diary, so let's write a diary in. It's just convenient, yeah, but it, whatever. It is very much. So that's, that's most... Or is there one more? I wanted to bring this up yeah. because I thought it was interesting that Gordon says... When an agent goes down to the field, I jump right up and pay a visit. But it's been a week since Cooper was shot. Albert has already had time to, to make it there to, to yeah. Well, to he was Cooper. there. Yeah, he came back in like yeah. a day or so. Yeah. yeah. Where was Gordon? If he was, if he was, I mean, okay, maybe he's been busy. But if he he makes such an emphatic statement that emphatic. this is what he does when a man goes down, an agent goes down in the field, I jump right to it, kind of thing. Where has he been for the last six seven days? Right. Yeah. So, um, I thought it was interesting. It the, the timing of his arrival could not be more interesting. Yeah. For reasons that I will bring up when we get to the final scene, but anyway. Well, the, yeah. So yeah, we'll get to the final scene. But basically, there there's there are questions on the internet, mm-hmm. especially about the motivations and goals yes. of Gordon Cole throughout yes. the whole series. He's a he's a m- interesting character that gets played for gags, but I don't think you can play him funny. Like you can't interpret him as just a comedic character. Well, you he can, has. but I think there's more. There to could it. be more to it. Um, so I had a couple notes just because this Gordon Cole as a character has some very interesting traits. First mm-hmm. of all, that he can't hear anything. Yeah. And so I just want to, I wrote some notes out and I just want to read them off here. Um, basically, Gordon operates on his own logic and his own conversational style. Um, it's almost a, like a parallel. There, there's, there's usually two conversations going on with Gordon Cole. There's what the characters in the scene, the normal-ish characters are saying, and there's what Gordon Cole is hearing and responding to. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It, here it operates as like kind of like a cute gag, um, like coat was like tuna. Sounds real good, sheriff, but I already ate. So it can be like played that way for a cute gag, or it can be um, it can kind of generate multiple meanings within a single scene, and that's what Lynch uses a lot, especially in in kind of dream sequences. He uses kind yeah. of a variation of this, um, where someone says something 
that's either normal or odd, given this, the context of the scene. Like that gummy life is going to come back in style. Yes, and, well, okay, yeah, sure. And, but the response is actually the interesting thing, because it's not a response that, uh, you know, civilized, normal society would have. Um, I'm thinking a lot of uh, The Lost Highway Mm-hmm. scene where the guy calls himself yeah. on his phone yeah. and it's him and the guy, other guy's house and you're like what the hell is going on like it just it's not something that would ever you would see in polite society and it generates a very odd kind of tension in a lot right. of cases and cole kind of does that almost involuntarily like here it's kind of cutesy and you're like oh what's going on well it's his character quirk but it's more than that exactly it can yeah. and yeah and you can as as the filmmaker they they kind of often use that uh in different ways like yeah yeah funny uh create tension create mystery um yeah yeah and create multiple things and and it's another kind of piece of dream logic really yeah well i was just gonna say i reading your notes here Mm -hmm. while you're reading them but that's definitely um the dream logic coming in because his responses to things are things that you would expect to hear in a dream yeah but they're happening in real life because of this this his hearing loss yeah they can play it off absolutely but it's it's a convenient way for the dream to enter real world i think right and to enter the the middle ground of twin peaks that we talked about is where all the action is taking place so no that's a good catch i think that's yeah yeah i mean like you don't really pick up on it until you've watched a a lot of lynch stuff like the first time i watched this i'm like oh he's just a funny yeah deaf guy (laughs) but but once you start to see these tropes and i hesitate to call them tropes well they're 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 lynch tropes like yeah he reuses certain styles and that's something that comes up where there's miscommunication or um or just yeah surreal communication where where one thing is said and and that's that's exactly what what gordon cole represents is this surreal like he is a regional director yeah wow yeah, exactly okay. yeah it's true <laughs> it's it's like what on tv tropes uh you know the website tvtropes.org yeah. um the fbi is frequently lumped in under the the cloud cuckoo landers that's that's what the fbi in twin peaks in the show they're cloud cuckoo landers they are out there yeah and gordon cole leads the, leads yeah, the charge yeah, definitely so uh, that's a for sure. But anyway. Yeah. So then the one armor shows up. Yeah. That's that's man. even what what, yeah. what Gordon Cole calls him is the one armor. There's the one armor now, which is kind of funny. Um, so yeah, Hawk has brought him in for questioning, presumably, and uh, yeah, Truman says, "Oh, take him to my office, right? Uh, something the like that, or something." Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they have to interview him now. So yeah. even though they're in the interrogation room or just outside an interrogation room, you think that that's where. Yeah. But, but no, no, he's interrogating Donna in the interrogation yeah. room. Well, Donna like pokes her head out at the end yeah of the scene. at the end just probably because she's heard the whole thing through the yeah. door. Oh well, yeah, sure. of course, yeah. Um, but anyway. she never does anything with that. No, I don't think so. No, no, just there. Okay, so uh, yeah, we go back to Ben comes now to see yeah. Audrey, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it's the first time that uh, Audrey sees Ben since the season premiere, when he was trying to sleep with her <laughs> without yeah, knowing yeah. it was her. So it's an interesting an interesting dynamic because Audrey obviously knows that her father was there. She knows, and she hints at this. She says, I know a lot of things. I saw a lot of things. It's so not it's, hinting. It's no, like, it's not hinting, yeah. but, but it's cryptic because Ben, now knowing that Audrey was there, knowing that he was there, maybe he, he probably doesn't suspect that he was going to, you know, potentially. No. You know, yeah. that she was the new girl that he didn't get a chance to sleep with. But... Maybe he thinks, oh, she might have saw me there. So in his mind, the worst thing that could happen is that his daughter could find out that he runs One Eye Jacks. 
You think so? Maybe. I don't know. What do you think? I, th- I think he knows already. I think he knows that she he knows. He knows that she knows? Yeah. Maybe. And I, I do think he knows she knows more than she's well, explicitly I mean, saying. So the, the, the text, or the, not the text, the, the way Audrey responds to his provocations. The subtext. Yes. Well, it, no, it's not really even subtext. Just the way this scene is yeah. shot and the way uh, Audrey especially responds is very similar to how Hank is played, where it's very obvious that she's like, oh, I, I've got dirt on you. Like, that's, it's very, yeah. very clear what she's saying, but it's just obscured enough that Cooper doesn't say, like, doesn't come well, in and say, well, does, what do you know? He like, does, there's a moment where he does kind of, like, I don't know, it's it's very subtle because Kyle McLaughlin does a lot of things with his face and his body movements and gestures that are really subtle. Um, it's like an eye quirk or, or, like, a flick of his eyebrow or something that, that, you think he he's picking up on something. Mm-hmm. He's he's intuitive enough that he would figure it out. He would pick up on this. Yeah. That something else was going on. Yeah. Um, but I mean, definitely when when Audrey asks, you know, she doesn't want to have anything to do with her father. Yeah. She wants Agent Cooper to take her home, yeah. and and it's it's you know. But Ben doesn't. He he insinuates himself into like. He says, okay, fine. Or better yet, why don't we all go together? Like, he doesn't want to give them a chance no. to be alone together yeah. because at this point, I think he knows for sure that, like, you're right. He knows that Audrey knows something. He Maybe he doesn't know what she knows, but he knows she knows something. Yeah, and he doesn't want to And now he just wants to protect chance, so. his interests. Yeah. But it doesn't come back at all in the rest of the episode. He does, Ben does so many other things. Yeah, Ben is a busy character. He's a very episode, busy yeah. character. A lot of these characters jump, like, yeah. I don't know how big the town of Twin Peaks is, <laughs> but they go quick, from place yeah. to place very quickly. Yeah. So, um, But he doesn't seem to be overly concerned with much of this part of the storyline for no. the rest of no, the... No, it's true. For the rest of the episode, so... It just kind of disappears. Yeah. Um, so, one question for you on this scene. Uh-huh. Um, what is the source of Audrey's anger towards her father? Is it just... That she knows he owned One-Eyed Jacks and he slept with Laura and he would... Well, I mean, the fact that he was going to sleep with her, sure, that would be scary and weird. But mm-hmm. I don't think that's something to get mad at him for. Um, but is it, is it just that? Or does she actually think that maybe he was actually in control of everything that was happening to her? I don't... I don't... Like, I, I don't, don't... I think that's a bit of a stretch, but it I... It might be. But, I mean, considering how how lost and and out of sorts she felt with her relation this comes back to like earlier in season one we had a nice argument about that where the scene in her in his office where you thought that she was playing him and he was playing her i mean maybe the hurt that she feels over um if if he were the one who orchestrated her kidnapping or was involved in some way, and he was, to an extent, involved with some kind of extortion involving his daughter. So he's not blameless here. Yeah. She doesn't know any of that, but, I mean, that would lead her, as a daughter, I think, to feel like... It's it's one reason why I think she was being more genuine than fake in that earlier scene in whatever, episode two or three yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. Because um, now there's that there's a hurt there that he might have had something to do with it. Um, I also think that there is no question in her mind she thinks that he was involved with Laura's death. Ah, okay. I think yes. I think she she was up there trying to find out more and she got way more than she bargained for. Yeah. Because but, but the 
information, the crucial information about Laura she got was that her father was in, yeah, and probably slept, well, did sleep well, with yeah, Laura, yeah, yeah. and then maybe had something to do with her death. Yeah. So, well, so I think that that's... Yeah, Emery had said, like, oh, yeah, we had to kick her out. Because she was doing drugs. Because she was doing drugs. Like, yeah. does that mean maybe that was a reason for Ben to kill her as well? Right. Like, she didn't want her to, like, spill the beans? Like, yeah, about him? Yeah. Which maybe. is very possible, maybe. right? So... But there's a lot, there, you know, could be a lot of reasons, but those I think are definitely, what do you think? Well, I, no, I really, I really couldn't tell. I, I thought it was a little overdramatic if she was just mad at him for owning One-Eyed Jacks and sleeping with Laura. Um, but I think your thing about maybe he killed her too, Mm -hmm. uh, is a point I hadn't considered. I think Mm -hmm. that, that does kind of, it's logical. It would follow from here, um, from what we'd seen of her so far. And it does make sense. It's what, it's how Audrey reacts to things. She's, she feels... I think she's very, um, in a, a very emotional person, and I think she wouldn't react with sadness. She would probably react with anger if she were sa- like truly sad, you know. Yeah. With the exception of the scene where she sees Leland dancing and breaks down crying, that's a different kind of sorrow, I think, right? Mm-hmm. But she just is. This is an extreme response, and it's where she would go. I think it's in character for her. Okay. To be angry. Yeah. No, I I agree with that. I just I didn't really get the. I wasn't sure about the source of it, that's yeah. all. Yeah. And it was just confused by that the, that kind of subtext of her, mm-hmm. um, like, threatening her, her father, basically. Yeah. Um, but anyways. Move on? Yeah. Nadine and Ed? Yes. So Nadine arrives home from school? Or wherever. No, she's not in school yet. Oh, she's not? No, we haven't gotten to that part okay. yet. Okay. Okay. She has a new dress, though. Yes. <laughs> it's very... And and she still thinks her parents are out of town and well and it's funny because you walk in and Ed's wearing an apron like yeah. he's like the it's yeah it's it's such a bizarre setup yeah. like you know she's she's so confused and he's going along with it and I don't know why this is well I mean we know Jacoby isn't in town so maybe they don't have access to the psychological resources that they might otherwise have access to. Um, but is this the healthiest thing? Yeah, is for, this the way to go? Yeah, I don't know. To, you know, just keep telling her parents are in Europe, and yeah, we're playing house together. Yeah. And um, well, and it's funny, yeah. and like this, their whole relationship from now on is just a comedy one, right? Yeah. So that's their relationship for the next couple of episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go to another interesting relationship. Yeah, we go to the Blue Pine Lodge, and we see Josie and Jonathan. Well, who, if that's his name, if that's his yeah, name, no but idea. um, he. They, they're uh, they're redressing. Yes, so coital. Yeah, um, just very manipulative and very uh, unseemly kind of relationship. Like this, this must be, you know, exploitative in some way. Well, it definitely is. Like, um, I mean, he's basically commanding her. Like, oh, yeah. well, that well, was he nice. Has a, yeah, and he now has he has going a, back to Hong Kong. He has a one uh, one way ticket for her to Hong Kong, uh, from Seattle. She has to leave tonight. Or he'll kill Truman. That's the gist yeah. of it. And yeah. she doesn't want to leave. She wants her money that she was owed for the insurance yeah. and for the for any of any of the things that were supposed to be happening that she was owed. She's been there for five years. She wants her money. And uh, Jonathan brings up a man named Eckhart who mm-hmm. is expecting her to return to Hong Kong. Yeah. So it's just uh, opening up more doors to the mystery that is Josie Packard yeah, what's and what's happening with her. With her. Now, so. Yeah, no, so they're, that the, those tensions are building up yeah. uh, pretty quickly there. Uh, so we move on to Maddie, mm-hmm. uh, who's at the lake. So James comes to see her with an apology and uh, basically says that, yeah, I basically saw Laura when I looked at you. Yeah. And Maddie says the interesting thing, which is that I liked it. You looked at me and you saw Laura. I guess I did. 
Wanna know something kind of strange? What? I liked it. You did? When we were growing up, Laura and I were so close, it was scary. I could feel her thoughts, like our brains were connected or something. And when she died suddenly, I got the chance to be Laura. At least other people saw me that way. That's something that I think harkens back to the log lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Is that this is a this is a behavioral change a, yeah. on Maddie's part. Yeah, to try and be someone else, try and be the bad girl for whatever reason, was. right? Is it is it because life is so boring in Missoula? Was Laura's life so much more interesting? I mean, how much did Maddie know about Laura's? You know what was going on with her? It's it's never made clear why she would want to be Laura. Aside from maybe just she just didn't want to be herself, but. Um, but it hints at a depth to Maddie's character. And I even I even wrote it down here that I I like Maddie and James together way more than I like James and Donna. Be, mm-hmm. But it's all because of Maddie and it's all because of Cheryl Lee imbuing yeah. Maddie with such depth. Yeah, yeah that, I'd like Maddie with anybody, really. Yeah. Like, I think she's just so... She's, she's an interesting character yeah. that I feel like was done a disservice, I think, just and because she played fiddle, second fiddle to... To Donna for... And yeah. to James. Yeah. And, yeah, third wheel to their relationship. Yeah. So it's it's kind of sad. Yeah, I, I wrote basically the same thing. Like, it's a really sweet scene mm-hmm. overall, and that's a good summary of Maddie's character. Yeah. She was she was a sweet girl who kind of got dragged into things and, and but did her best and was always trying to be good and positive. Yeah. I mean, you had the scene where... I guess the contrast to this is that first scene in this season, I think, where she's in, where she breaks her right. her old glasses and everything. And, yeah. like, I don't want to be good old Maddie anymore. But yeah. here she's kind of returning to that. She's saying, you well, know what, and, and I am. And I'm... part of that is because she is she's tells James that so she's leaving tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. she's not going to be in Twin Peaks anymore. And she realizes that this was, you know, a side quest, if you want to yeah. put it in, in mm. gaming terms. Yeah. she's And now she's going back to her regular day job and yeah. her apartment her life. Her yeah. life. So, yeah. Um, and it's kind of also a chance for the audience to kind of say goodbye to Laura yeah. one final time. It's yeah. like, yeah, here's the actress who's playing both of them, both of them, and she's going. She's so going now, so say goodbye. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that in the future. Yeah. So next we go to Ben and Josie. Yeah, I um, love this scene. Yeah, me too. I love it. This is a great scene, and I love they they just start off well. They're like a toast to the fire, and they're doing it in front of the fire. I just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's sweet. Uh, it's not sweet. No, it's, it's not sweet. It's sweet. It's sweet in that, like, it's like, yeah, this is a cool oh, scene. Oh, I see. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I mispronounced it there. Um, and so, then, like, the double crossing and the triple crossing and the quadruple crossing. Yeah, I mean, having these two real, I mean, you don't get a sense of Josie being a mastermind of anything. She kind of seems over her head in a lot of a lot of the scenes that she's been playing. Mm-hmm. But here, I mean... She wants the money. Ben won't give her the money. She says... Uh, Don't play games with me. Yeah, and he says, well, you know, if if I've got a dossier on you all about yeah, you and your involvement you to... in, in Andrew's death. Yeah. And then she says, well... And he produces a little, like, a key to yeah. a lockbox or his personal safe in the hotel. She produces a bigger key to a safety deposit box at another bank and says that she has information on him, so it's a stalemate, and, and it's it's brilliant. Like, they're laughing, and they're joking. Like, these are two... I well, really feel like they're equals. Like, yeah, they exactly. really are equals. You finally get that sense that Ben's found an equal, and it's Josie yeah. of all people and who then, he didn't And he's expect. almost turned on by it. Oh, like, he yeah. tries to kiss her neck, and it's very... It's, it's oddly sexual in yeah. a way that you haven't seen since he was necking with 
uh, with Catherine before yeah. she... Yeah, like, for him, business is the aphrodisiac. Yeah, like, totally. Like, you know, like, he gets turned totally. on by this. It's, it's so good. So, um, and, and, which is interesting because he does play the power dynamic role when he's at One-Eyed Jacks, but when it, when it comes to uh, sexual partners, like, actual partners, it's always business first. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that, um, yeah, I didn't really yeah. think about until now, but... No, it's true, though. Um, uh, but it, it, I mean, it's great because at the end of the scene, it sums it up all well because he just says, well played to yeah. Julie, uh, to Josie. Yeah. And they are, they've, they've, they play this yeah. little exchange game and it's, it's, it's a really great. good scene. Mm-hmm. But he gives her the check that Tojimura gave him. Yes. Yes. Um, Signs so the $5 million yeah. over, which is presumably how much he owed her. Or close, close, close enough. To, yeah. Um, so she's happy. He's happy. Yeah. They're done. Yeah. That's the end of their business relationship. Uh, moving on to Leo's welcome home party. Yes. <laughs> it's just kazoos, party yeah. hats. There's a cake. Balloon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And a streamers and stuff. And, it's... uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's a weird scene. It's fun and it's funny. It's, you know, Bobby and Shelly making out in front of Leo's well, yeah, catatonic. Yeah. Like, like we were talking about this in an earlier episode with Harvey, how they, the treatment of, people who are disabled comes mm-hmm. up and this is kind of one of those ones where it's like it is funny but at the same time you're like this poor guy like yeah, yeah like he's just sitting there and you're making out with him and making just... out with with someone else yeah well yeah Shelby is yeah like that's the thing like he he was really like we talked about this in the end of the first season where he really seemed heartbroken that Shelly was cheating yeah. on him and now you're parading it in front of the poor guy like if yeah. he's if he's able to yeah, because uh, they don't know what, what his mental yeah, capabilities, his mental capabilities are. are. I mean, presumably he's not understanding anything that's going on. But if he is, like, this is really kind of mean. Yeah. And uh, so they kind of dance around and they're, they're starting to make out on the table in front of him. Um, Shelly sees what she thinks she sees anyway, that that Leo moves. Yes. Like, he moves towards her. And it's a purposeful move. It's not like he's yeah. falling to the side like he does in later on in the scene when he falls forward Actually, no, that was first. Cake. That was earlier. He fell into the cake first, Did, was I think. It? Yeah, okay. and, then, and then Bobby pulls him up. No, by his no, no, no. That's that comes after. Is that's the end of the scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. When he's cleaning. The oh, cake that's right. Yeah, but that's right. Sorry. Anyway, it's yeah. not. It's not a, a, a an involuntary movement. It looks no. very purposeful. Yeah. He turns his head and leans forward towards her, and she freaks out. And I they mean, have a kind of a moment of, like, maybe we shouldn't be doing this, which is the only kind of moment when their conscience kind of kicks in, and yeah. they're like, "Yeah, we're being dicks," but. Yeah, and then they yeah, then they're like, okay, we'll give him his cake. Yeah, and then nearly <laughs> suffocate him in the yeah, cake. It's yeah. it's it's definitely slapstick. Yeah, um, it's all for a laugh. Yeah, like, uh, expense, like Three Stooges type. Yeah, thing. yeah, it's kind of rough. But anyways, back at the sheriff station. Yes. Uh, Gordon and Dale have yes. their long-awaited reunion. Yes. And and it's it's. It's fun to see these two. It's always fun to see the FBI play off each other, like the way that Dale and Albert communicate mm-hmm. and hang out and do their thing, and then the way Dale and Cooper do their thing and mm-hmm. how they have this this professional relationship that is um, born out of mutual respect and very deep mutual respect, that Cooper really respects uh, Gordon's leadership and, and Gordon obviously has taken a shine to Dale. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's even more interesting when you layer on top of that the fact that uh, David Lynch and Kyle McLaughlin have had such a long working history and Kyle based his mannerisms and the way he plays Dale 
on on, on David Lynch's, Lynch's mannerisms yeah. Yeah. and and everything. So it's almost like this whole mentor mentee relationship, but on two layers, mm-hmm. which very fitting for Twin Peaks. Yeah. So it's it's a fun it's a fun thing to see play out on screen. It's also just fun to hear Gordon tell Dale Cooper. You remind me today of a small Mexican chihuahua. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> it's it's cute. It's a fun little, a fun little scene. Um, but he wants to talk to to talk to him about how he's he's very concerned that what's what happened to him in Pittsburgh will happen again because he's getting too in over his head. We haven't heard about Pittsburgh. He not much. Yeah. So what happened in Pittsburgh? We don't know yet. But it must but have been bad enough. He that did say, well, no, Cooper says, I was injured, injured in, in both. Pittsburgh. Yes, but, but other than but, that, they bear no similarities. Yeah, so, but we don't, we don't get much more information about it here. Mm-hmm. But it's leading into that, which is, which is um, the, the mysteries around Dale's past are deepening. And that's where a lot of the rest of the season plays into it. And we get a little bit more of it here because... Um, yes, Gordon delivers. The, the, what appears to be... A chess move. Yes. An opening chess move. When he says it's from Wyndham Earl. Well, that's what they Doesn't, they presume it's they from presume Wyndham Earl. They presume it's from Wyndham Earl. Yeah. Um, and this is, so it's, Wyndham Earl was introduced in the second episode. This is now the eighth episode of the season? Sixth. Sixth. So there was a four episode gap there where mm-hmm. he wasn't mentioned at all. And I mean, you, I wouldn't blame you if you've forgotten that Wyndham Earl had been mentioned right. at all at this point. Um, so it, it comes in a little little out of nowhere and i think this is one of the things that mark frost said was contributed to the second season not working as well as the fact that winnem earl because spoiler alert guys the next episode you find out who killed laura palmer yes so that mystery is about to be broken up here and we don't have a new bad guy take over yeah um and they they started here i mean they they introduced well and i think this is this is why i mean in the last few episodes it has been uh it's not been mark frost it hasn't been david lynch um Harley Payton and Robert Engels kind of take over as as the head writers, I guess, yeah. in a sense, for season two. And this is their first time back at the writing table on, in a solo capacity um, in a few episodes. So yeah. uh, I think that's why we have Wyndham Earl coming back. I think it would have served them better to bring him back a little bit earlier. Well, yeah, but- I mean, yeah, if yeah, they would have... It weaved him in starting now uh, starting yeah. four episodes ago yeah things would have been, been different yeah would have been di- very different no so. no less I, I he's still a menacing character and as we'll see in, in yeah, episodes and, that come up yeah. but and by the end of the season he's great but, yeah but yeah here it's still like oh who's this guy with a chess move what does that mean yeah so odd yeah um but i mean the interesting thing is cooper's look uh he yes. looks very vulnerable yes i was gonna scared. say that too that this is this is one of those moments where you're just like oh my god somebody hug him like yeah yeah like he really oh, well. does he really does look well no i mean they even yeah. say we're gonna have to watch your back, back and, yeah. and because he's he's in so clearly his his crazy ex-partner is a source of real danger what were you gonna say you don't no think- no no I, it's true i was just i was thinking that this is the first time cooper seems incapable you know, up oh, to this yeah. point, he's been flawless. He everything to do with Laura's murder, he has handled with aplomb, and here he is the one who's scared. Yeah, and I think that that alone is enough to raise the stakes in my mind. Oh, it's for like, sure. Oh my God, this guy's scared. He's out Cooper. of his depth. Yeah, like, and and that's, they that's even something. say that he's in over his head, yeah. right? Or maybe they don't. Maybe that's just me who wrote that. Well, but it, it, it's really Albert accurate. thinks Coop is in over his head. So yeah, yeah. Well, that so, was about the the. The Laura murder. Sure, but but, 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 yeah. but whatever. It's I mean, apply I mean, here, it's yeah. totally and and maybe that's why 
um, looking back to Cooper's scene with Truman a little bit earlier when he's when he talks about all the ways that he's, you know, gone wrong in the last few episodes, going out of his jurisdiction and whatnot. It's just highlighting the fact that that maybe he is over his head, yeah. in over his head. Maybe he is um, out of his depth and out of his element. Yeah. And this is. But he takes Wyndham Earl to really hammer it. Yeah, and and so that in itself makes him a more menacing, makes Wyndham Earl a more menacing character. So, So, moving on, uh, we go back to uh, the Great Northern, and Leland has come back to get to work with Ben. Yes, yes. So, first interesting thing he says is that Ben says he understands uh, Leland's situation much better. Uh, Because Audrey was missing? Because Audrey was missing? That's the sense I got. Yeah. I mean, they don't go into it, but I assume that's what... Ben meant, uh, and I don't know if that's a lie again because it's Ben. Like, who knows? He's yeah. lying all the time. Um, but I thought that was just interesting, and I, I kind of think that yeah, maybe he really does care about Audrey a little bit more than. But I found it. Him. I found it really interesting that it took. Uh, he references Leland's indictment and how if it weren't for your indictment, we could maybe do more here. It takes the indictment before he he asks him back. And that was interesting that why Ben would ask Leland back now, yeah. it seems strange. Well, well he says because uh, Jerry's off in Japan checking out the investors. Sure, but, but I yeah. mean, still, I mean, there must be more than... There are other lawyers in the state if you need someone to go yeah. over your, you know, investments and your... But he trusts Leland and he knows... Sure, but like, Leland's also kind of yeah, a little off his... Yeah, yeah well, right? It, yeah, it's great because they, they talk about this and... Like Ben's trying to explain the situation, and Leland's like looking at this ferret or something right, that's behind which him. I, I, in watching the previous episode again, that's not there. That animal, whatever that is, yeah. a ferret or a fox or whatever it they is, just put it in this scene. It, it, yeah, it did not exist in the it, when Cooper comes into the office and does that weird where he like yeah, leans, yeah, yeah, back, leans on back on that team. That, that, that yeah. animal, stuffed animal is not there. Well, yeah, so. I think they just put it in there. Sure, something Leland's, for Leland to play yeah, with. Yeah, play with. And then he, he takes the fur from it and puts yeah, it in, in his, his pocket. Because so why? Who knows? Um, um, yeah. And then they, so then they go into the full on business mumbo jumbo talk. Yeah. Which you figure out. Do you want to explain? Well, or do you want to just say it's mumbo jumbo? It's, it's mumbo jumbo, but it's, um, Basically, a way to to get the keep the project moving without uh, scaring off any of the investors. Yeah, kind of and and well, also you know he talks about uh, taking the check from either the Icelanders or from well, obviously they can't take the money from from the Tokyo investor Tojimura, but they could take the money that the Icelanders have given them and you know funnel it through the Caymans and skim a little off the top, yeah, right? So yeah. so Leland Scuzzbag lawyer is. Um, yeah. Apparently, in, yeah. and and Ben is just enamored again, yeah. and and it's, like, and it's just like, yeah, you're back. So and they have this great like not hug. Like, yeah, they're, like, they're gonna they hug, and hug then they, but then they, they just, just grab each other's arms. It's yeah, so funny. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that seems another good one. Move on. Yeah, we get the blue pine again. Uh, Truman goes to visit Josie, um, and she's packing. She's leaving, and yeah. he asks her And Mr. Her Lee why. is there. Yeah, she calls Jonathan Mr. Lee and, and says he's her assistant, assistant and, and he's taking her bags out and everything. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't tell Truman where she's going no, or just why she's, she's going. She, she just sold says the she mill, has to go. And then he, he tries to keep her with a kiss. He says something interesting, and I wanted to get your feedback on this. But Josie, you can't leave. You saying this is the police? No. I don't think he says it. No, no. no he but says it's... no. I like. I think. You know, I, no, no, yeah. okay, no, I don't think Truman has any reason to, he probably does in his heart of hearts believe that something fishy, well, he knows something fishy is going on, but 
but Josie has reason to feel like she, like he might have something on her. Oh yeah, no, no, for sure. And I, that's what I'm saying is that, uh, but he, he doesn't choose to exercise that at this mm-hmm. point. Because well, he doesn't have anything on her, does he? Well, yeah, he does, and we know that. And in future what episodes, that will be her? the coat, Lindsay. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay, so, okay, yeah, okay, okay. So he has something on her, but he's he's not going to use it here because, and he jumps right into it, I love you. Yeah. And he says right. this, and he says it in kind of a soap opera-y way. Yeah. Like, this is a very soap opera feeling scene. Um, but at the same time, there's still a lot of emotion there. Like, you really do feel that he's he really does love her, and yeah, he's being probably torn to shreds by this. Yeah. By her leaving like this, yeah. so um, it's a nice it's a nice uh, callback to the way that um, Cooper let his emotions and his involvement with people get in the way of his ability to do his job. Yeah, um, Truman was able to talk him off the ledge. There's, there's no, no one, one to talk, talk Truman yeah. off the ledge here. He's he's admitting that he loves her, and he's he's not exercising his right because as a as a law enforcement officer he could yeah although we don't know that as an audience yet but he probably does have something on her so yeah Yeah. it's 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 an interesting scene but she leaves and we leave truman in the blue pine lodge looking pretty crestfallen so um we jump to the great northern again so ben in a meeting with tojimura uh they're drinking in the bar uh tojimura wants his money back and uh Truman can't obviously can't give it to him because he's given, he's given it, it to Josie. Yes. So he gives this song and dance about how oh, he's, he's, he's a the community. Yeah, yeah, I'm a businessman, a pillar of the community, and I have to look out for their best interests. So I'm investigating, and and Tojimura is not not at having all much of it. In yeah, this, so. just, yeah. But um, then uh, you can't. Ben looks up, and who's doing karaoke? But well, it's not even karaoke. It's just he probably just commandeered the piano and, no, well, and made yeah. the person play Blames a song like, that he wants, like yeah. a show tune. And it's "Getting to Know You" from the King, King and, I. and I. Yeah, and and he gives this this grand performance, performance like he's a and, Vegas lounge singer. It's yeah. great. And Ben walks up and tries to like dissuade him and get him to get pull, the microphone yeah. away. And, and Ben just or Leland, Leland pulls him and they start dancing. Well, yeah, it, it turns into a duet. They start singing together. It's great. Uh, poor Ben. Meanwhile, Tojimura goes to the bar, and uh, and Pete is sitting there at the bar drinking a glass it's of milk. milk. It's a really cute scene between, uh, like, Pete's all like, "You're not from around here," and obviously, it's, sweet it's innocence just he, and he he's really just trying is. to be friendly and yeah, yeah, and offers him to buy him a sake and a nice cold milk, you know? Yeah, just, like yeah. yeah, you know, just trying to be welcoming and warm yeah. and yeah, Pete like uh, yeah, yeah, very Pete like. So it, it's cute, yeah. Um, but again, just one. You've already noticed it, of course, but Leland's back on a microphone again. Leland yeah. and microphones and music. It, he hasn't gone away. Whatever this thing is that's that's got him and music, especially in the Great Northern, yeah, uh, so, affecting him is still there. Which is very interesting given the next scene. Yes. Which brings us back to the sheriff's station. And we get this very dramatic, they're in the boardroom at the long table. And there's uh, Philip Gerard at, at the end of the table. Gordon Cole and Dale Cooper on either side of the table. Sheriff Truman is there, and uh, Hawk is there, I think. Yeah. And they have yeah, prepping the. They have his medication. They've yeah. managed to get this medication. Gordon says that Albert has has found that it's um, it's used for people with multiple or. I don't remember. Well, no, remember he, he, he yeah, says. he says basically, uh, hel- it's haloperidol, and then oh, Cooper says, oh, Are sir, you do you have schizophrenia? Yeah. yeah, or something. Do you have schizophrenia or whatever? Um, so, which shows Cooper's 
uh, knowledge of, of drug, you yeah, know, like yeah, of that, this kind of thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and of course, you know, Philip Gerard is in, uh, discomfort or, or distress anyway. And Truman's like, give him the drugs. Okay. And Gordon will not give him the drugs. And Dale doesn't want to give him the drugs yeah, either, which do, is, yeah. which is really, really interesting. Cause again, it's just like, you have someone here who's clearly <laughs> in distress, distress potentially schizophrenic and you are not going to give them the medication medication that they need because maybe they might give you answers in a case. without chemicals. No, I get it, but it's a dream that he got that from. Like, it's just so... It's the legal They've been operating on dreams for so long. I understand that, but I just feel like this is... It was so alarming to me. Again, maybe I'm just... I'm looking at this through too much of a realistic, you know, real world, this world lens. No, it is. It's a very questionable thing that they do, like... Truman's the one who's making the most sense. Like, you can't give him his drugs. He needs yeah. that. And, but they're like, no, no. The case is more important than this yeah. man. At that, that point, that's what they're saying. And especially, I mean, Cooper had seen this guy in his dream. He knows that he is Mike. Um, and here he, he gets confirmation of that. Because yeah, so, when they don't give him the drugs, he, yeah, he, he gets... He has that... His voice doubles again. Well, and, it gets and, deeper it, and, and it deepens, and he he says that he's Mike, yeah. and, and he explains. He repeats a lot of it. A lot of it is yeah. the same from what the dream is, but he he says that he's an inhabiting spirit. Philip Gerard is his host. Mike is the boss, and Bob is the familiar, his familiar. Mm-hmm. So that's a familiar is like um, the sidekick. Yeah. So all along we've been thinking that Bob was the bad guy. Yeah. Mike is really the boss he's the one yeah. who's holding all the cards and bob is just gone you know awol i yeah. guess well right? well no mike's the one who's gone awol because he saw right. the face of god sure. and cut off his arm but bob is bob is now um he's not acting as as they're not acting in tandem no. anymore and he's gone off script almost yeah. so when mike you know went straight i guess now his whole purpose is to find bob and bring him back uh, maybe to help him find God. I don't know how if you if you want to look at it that way, but um, yeah. Well, it, Mike's motivations could take up. We'll talk yeah, about that yeah. in, in some more episodes because they go all over the map. Mm-hmm. And we'll, they yeah, literally over the whole series, you can pick different ways of looking at it. Yeah. So um, yeah. So he basically says yeah, Bob's a parasite yeah. requires a human host. I thought this was interesting because when when Cooper reference or points to the the poster, the wanted poster at the on the table, um, Mike admits that that's his that that's Bob's true face, but only few can see him, the gifted and the damned. And when he says the damned, he looks right in the camera, camera. and it really another, implicates yeah. you as the viewer because we've seen Bob's real face, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, by virtue of seeing Cooper's dreams and yeah. and Sarah's visions as well. So, um, are we gifted or are we damned? Yeah. But well, we've seen him. Well, in, it's in reality, a repeat so. of what uh, happened in the the scene when Maddie saw Bob climbing over yeah. the thing, and he penetrated yes, through the fourth right wall through. right into the camera. Yeah, Mike does the exact same thing. Yeah, it's so like the it's spirits like the spirits are the ones who can see right through yes. the fourth wall. Yes, and, and they know that they're being watched yeah. and, and stuff. And yeah, and it comes back. We in the uh, the last episode or maybe two episodes ago when um, Leland is being interrogated, he's looking right at the camera mm-hmm. too. There's very few characters who look right at the camera. Yeah. And they all seem to be either inhabiting spirits or the hosts or um, yeah. disturbed on some so, level, yeah, right? Yeah, in some so, way not all there, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. then we get, yeah, we get a repeat of a lot of the things that were said in the dream. But then we get... Um, He's Bob near us now. For nearly 40 years. Where? 
Like, he's been nearby for 40 years. So that means it's somebody from the town yeah. right away yeah. um, who's over or yeah, near probably the age over of 40. 40 yeah. um, and then... Uh, a large house made of wood surrounded by trees. The house is filled with many rooms, each alike, but occupied by different souls night after night. Great Northern Hotel. So you get that that like the dramatic music is playing and and it's this great reveal that the Great Northern is this place. It's the, it's the nexus for yeah. whatever's happening. And uh, so I think coming from where you were saying Leland being affected by being in the Great Northern, mm-hmm. where where he's every time he's there, he's dancing or singing Weird or are or, or not himself. The fluff <laughs> yeah. off of a thing. Right. So yeah. he's not himself. Something about. The, I mean, Leland hasn't been himself the whole series, really. Let's face it. He's always no, been crying right. or upset sure. or something or dancing. But it always way. seems like it gets to the an extreme Northern, yeah. in the Great Northern with the, the notable exception of the, the Hayward Supper Club yeah. scene. Yeah. But, but yeah, being at the Great Northern seems to set him off in some way. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting the hint that Bob is in the Great Northern as well. So is there some connection there? Yeah. And, um, and I mean, yeah. So sorry, did you have anything nope. else? So that's that's the last scene. You yeah. kind of get the Great Northern, and the credits pop up. Um, it's a very dramatic way to end the episode. Yeah, because you've like identified a place as the bad guy. Yeah. almost. It's, it's yeah, it's an interesting change. Which of pace. we we've talked about the the Great Northern potentially being. I mean, we'd mentioned it in previous episodes. If you've listened to all of them, we won't do it here because there were some spoilery things that we said about. So maybe if you're avoiding them for whatever reason, but. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely taking on a life of its own as a as a place of of if not just a place of interest, but a place of of malice or something. Yeah, bad things happen. Bad things in the happen great there. Order. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I had just a couple of questions to summarize the episode. Um, well, not summarize it, but some questions about the episode and timing. So the next episode, we did spoil it. Mm-hmm. Well, Find we out. didn't spoil it. We don't tell you who did. No, but, but the show tells you. The show you tells the you who killed Laura Palmer. You find yeah. that out in a very dramatic way. Um, and David Lynch talked about this many times where he never wanted to answer who killed Laura Palmer. So at some point they were told, no, you have to reveal this. Uh, and I'm wondering when that point was. And honestly, it almost feels like this episode is the one where they take this dramatic turn. So this is, this, is, this is what I'm thinking is that um, we're six episodes in. You would probably have been. They would have had. Uh, like I don't, I'm not sure what the shooting schedule would have been like, and I I haven't done as much research as I could have done to look that up. I'm sure it's out there that you could find the shooting schedule for the first and second season. Mm. Um, but before the first episode aired, back in September of 1990, they would have had a number of episodes already in the can, obviously. So when that first episode aired maybe this was the episode that they were filming, mm. right? Yeah. So this might have been the point where, you know, the network execs have been getting the dailies and they've been seeing, you know, the rushes of what's been, what's, what's, coming, on, what's yeah. happening on set. And they're realizing, oh no, we don't like where this is going. Yeah, we need, and the ratings And the ratings gone. are dropping. If you look on, Wikipedia has all the, the, the rating, or the, not the ratings, but the number of viewers per um, episode. Yeah. And you're still in double digit. Like it's it's still healthy... 
Yeah, from our for, perspective yes, today, now, oh God, it's, like amazing. 13 or 14 million yeah. people watching an episode, that's pretty good. But at the time, it was this that's was pretty bad. Pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so maybe they were starting to panic, and maybe that's why Harley Payton and Robert Engels were brought in. Although you would you would think that You'd Robert Frost back. and David Lynch yeah. would come in, but maybe they were too wedded to their other projects and were unavailable. Um, Payton and Engels were the available. ones who took over, yeah, as I said, who, it, yeah. who who become um, showrunners in all but name, really, yeah. for the rest of the series. So, or at least they're the most prominent yeah, I don't even know. writers yeah. who come back. Yeah, there are more episodes that are written by all sorts of people in the future. And they were involved with David Lynch and, and uh, Mark, Frost. Mark Frost from the beginning. Yeah. You called him uh, Robert Frost, I think. Earlier. I was going to just now. I'm like, did I do that already <laughs> yeah, once did. before? So, God. Robert Frost, Not Robert Frost at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. No, it's true. And so... Yeah, so I'm just wondering, like, yeah, was this a specific point in time? Yeah. Because the next episode is directed by David Lynch because it needed to be. Of because course. it's it's the the big reveal. Uh, but yeah. This yeah. is this is the start of that that the arc that finishes the Who Killed Laura Palmer yeah. storyline. And then you realize it's only like halfway through the season when they're going to finish that. Yeah, arc. Like, so you're like literally uh... when you finish that arc, you are. It's episode eleven. Yeah. Out of twenty. Two. So, yeah. you're so you're literally halfway, halfway through the season. And, that, and that's why, yeah. So the episode's following that do struggle a bit. Yeah. But we'll get there. Yeah. If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word. You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at bickeringpeaks. Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you.